I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Juega para Campos, se aproxima al área. Juega para Montiel, Montiel dentro del área. La pelota atrás, chuta su Gol, 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 gol. Gol, 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 gol. Y la gente se va. Y la gente se va de Mestalla. Gol, 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 gol. Del Sevilla. Marca Suso. Marca el Sevilla. La depresión absoluta en Mestalla. La gente se va a casa. Hello everyone and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 29 recap podcast into the final stretch now. I'm your host, Matt Clark. Delighted to be joined by Tom Harris. Um, I think I know where he is now. He's in Maidenhead now, but he's been in Manchester, London. He's all over the place, but he's here tonight to bring you all the reaction from a fantastic weekend. How are you, Tom? Yeah, really good. Thank you, Matt. I'd rather be in, you know, Seville, Valencia, Madrid, watching all of these games in the flesh, unfortunately not. But yeah, it's been another amazing weekend and we've just watched that Sevilla-Valencia game. Um I mean, not the best quality game, but in terms of emotion and, you know, the kind of real drama that's going on at the bottom of a table. Yeah, it's just kind of kind of left a bit bit exhausted after watching that. But yeah, we'll get on to that in a minute. But it's been fantastic again. Indeed, plenty of drama in the European race, in the relegation battle and dare we say title race. But stay tuned for all of that. Before we kick off, though, I must remind you, we have a special Substack Q&A with Ben Hayward coming this week. So Send in your questions on all things Spanish football. Ben's lived in Spain for over a decade, I think. So he's a, a well-versed expert in all things La Liga and beyond. So tag us in at La Liga Lowdown or tag in Ben at DG Haywood on Twitter and ask him a question and we'll get it answered for you in the Substack piece coming up in midweek. Uh, so that's a bit of housekeeping. Um, but yeah, Tom, incredible game at Mistaya. As you say, not a, lo- not a very high quality match. I think the combined XG was under one. Uh, which tells you all you need to know about the uh, the confidence of the attacking, uh, perhaps. But yeah, um, my question really is, Valencia, is there any hope for them after this latest defeat? That's now 10 in 2023. They've only scored seven goals, as Rory said, in 14 games in the league. Uh, and are Sevilla safe now? Back-to-back away wins under Mendilibar. He's still unbeaten in four matches. Yeah, take it away. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy to say straight after the final whistle and you're still caught up in all of the emotions. Yeah, Valencia are doomed, Sevilla are safe. But, you know, I've had a minute just to look at the table and exactly the first time in a long time that there's been an actual gap between the kind of relegation zone and, you know, the other kind of team sucked down in, in that in that battle. There's now three points separating Valencia and Espanyol in 18th and 19th with the likes of Valladolid and 
Almeria and, and other teams in that race. So if this gap continues to, you know, if, if, if Valencia don't win next week, I mean, they've got an unbelievable run. They play Elche next week, then Valladolid, then Cadiz. So there's, there's four teams, you know, including Valencia, really, really down in that relegation fight. So, yeah, it's difficult. If they don't, you know, get maybe six, seven points from the next four, you do, you do fear for them. And they were lacking ideas tonight, I thought. Lino and Duro, when they came on, you know, looked to inject a bit of positivity into things. But yeah, it's, it's looking really, really bleak. And I think the image of Carlos Soler kept going back to him in the stands, looking on. It's, it's you know, it's quite symbolic that a player who didn't really want to leave was forced to leave. And now he's, you know, he's come back and he's watching on, watching all of this drama unfold. It's very, very bleak, just, you know, not just in the context of this season, but generally for Valencia. And, you know, where do they go from here? What happens with Peter Lim? Lots of questions we'll probably be asking Paco Pollitt over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, it's, it, is, it isn't looking good for them at all, is it? No, I think he's on next week's match day recap pod. So that's after the Elche game. So I really hope they've won that one because my word, he's pretty despondent now. But if they don't beat Elche, he might be uh, almost disconsolate. But yeah, we'll get to the controversy in a moment, as well as Mendelibar's impact at Sevilla. But where, where's it gone wrong for Valencia? I mean, when Baraka came in, there was a couple of home wins. They beat Real Sociedad. Uh, they beat Osasuna 1-0 both times. They were harnessing the Mestalla atmosphere. But it seems to have gone from mas a menos, as they say in Spain. His impact is, is dwindling. And now, um, what is it? They're, yeah, they're, they're really struggling to score. They're really struggling to create. It was, like you say, strange to see Samuelino on the bench. Um and yeah, when you're struggling for goals to leave Hugo Duro on the bench, it's, it does seem a strange one. Where where do you think um, it went wrong tonight specifically and just in general, why are they seemingly worse every week? Yeah, I mean, perhaps it's the pressure gradually building. I mean, I think tonight there was a lot of fluffed lines. There were, you know, there were many chances, but when chances did come their way, it was it, it looked panicked. Um, and obviously Baraja as well, the, the legend that he is at Valencia Football Club, he's, he's not an experienced manager. He's not somebody who's going to, you know, put his arm around players and really tell them with all of his experience how to get out of this because he's never really experienced it throughout his career, certainly not in a managerial position. And, you you know, you contrast that with Mendelibar at Sevilla, who's been there and done it multiple times. You know, there looks to be, you know, there's, there were moments in this game where luck favoured Sevilla more in the Valencia, and obviously that helps. But I think just very generally speaking, Sevilla looked more calm. They looked more well-drilled and well-organised and, you know, knew what they had to do. Valencia looked a bit panicked. And yeah, like you say, if they can't sort that out, it's only going to get worse. And, you know, Elche away next weekend is absolutely massive because I said it on the podcast last weekend, I don't think Elche away is as easy a game as the table Will make it look because they they started off quite well again this week um they played quite well last week and ended up losing obviously they're losing a lot of games but they're still a good team and if valencia are low on confidence they go away to lg and concede a couple of goals in in the first half you just yeah you dread to think where, where it goes from there yeah first goal is massive in that one next week perhaps the underrated partidazo of next weekend but uh, i'm sure we'll deal with that in next preview as for the controversy, we must touch on it. I know we don't really like talking about it, but it, it does seem to be a pretty high topic on the agenda this one. There's probably four major incidents in the second half alone, which went against Valencia. There was the Lope Bade opening goal where there was a, a potential elbow on, uh, I think it was Elijah Mariba in the build-up to the goal. Very scrappy one as it was. Then there was the penalty that uh, was initially given and then overturned on review by um, the handball 
uh, on Fernando, I think it was. Uh, it was deemed to be in a natural position and potentially coming off his thigh too, I believe. Then there was another penalty which was given, then overturned, and then there was a red card. Um, Tom, try and pick the bones out of all that. Do you think Do you think they were all correct, or do you think uh, Del Ferro Grande did not have a very good night? It's, it's very difficult. I mean, I think for the the first goal from Loic Ballet, it, it was a bit of a melee. It was a bit of, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's a bit difficult to tell who was the offender there. And I think maybe to let it go was, was the correct thing to do, just about, but it, it's a difficult one. I struggle to agree with the handball. I think I don't think Fernando's arm is in a natural position. And um, I was just listening to Jose Luis Guy after the game. He was very, very angry about this. And obviously the players have got to be careful what they're saying in these post-match interviews because we've seen players be suspended for this kind of thing. But the referee apparently told Gaia that the arm was in a natural position, but Gaia says, well, we would have scored if it wouldn't have hit his hand. So I tend to agree with Gaia on that one. It's It was a bit of a mess. It's it's a scrappy game and, you know, for someone to come in, there's been a lot of scrutiny on La Liga referees recently and all the cards are giving, all the red cards are giving, all decisions that are going wrong. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a perfect storm, and Del Cerro Grande was under a lot of pressure. I don't think he got it spot on, um, but yeah, I think he did probably as well as he could under under the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And absolutely vociferous, and by the end, boiling Mestalla. Uh, it's certainly an atmosphere that is not easy to uh, keep a clear head in for players and, of course, officials. Anyway, moving on quickly. Quick word on uh, Mendeley Barlin. What an impact he's had since arriving. As you said, he's experienced. But uh, I was so impressed with the way they managed to get a draw from Old Trafford on Thursday. Now they're going into the second leg with injuries to Manchester United, suspension to Bruno Fernandes. So they have a chance, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, I was actually very impressed by them against Celta as well. I mean, obviously they collapsed in the last couple of minutes and conceded two and drew two all. But I think they looked, you know, they played most of that game with 10 men, I think 70 odd minutes. And they really stifled Celta and they played really well. They were very organised. And there's just some players on that team. I mean, I think Rory tweeted about it, but Lucas Ocampos is just absolutely busts the gut for every loose ball. He chases everything down, as does kind of Brian Hill as well. I think he's another Mendilibar favourite and this city running the line. Yeah, it's almost as if he's gone back to basics a little bit and it really has worked. Um, whether that is a, a long-term strategy for a team like Sevilla, who should be aiming higher than the situation they're in at the moment, that remains to be seen. But yeah, you have to take your hats off to Mendelibar because he's done a fantastic job and they look really up for it. And yeah, seven points clear now of, of relegation uh, trouble, I think, and seven points off Europe. Amazing, isn't it? Only a couple off, off Osasuna and Rayo. So yeah, remarkable job from Mendy. Heading north then, Lee, we had another fantastic match in the Basque country. It was the Basque derby, one of the most uh, you know, perfect fixtures of the Spanish football calendar, Athletic Club against Real Sociedad. Iñaki Williams was the man here. Two goals, um, which gave Athletic a 2-0 victory. He's now scored four goals in April when he hadn't scored any since November. So a remarkable uptick in form from Iñaki. And uh, yeah, Athletic had a, had a really good win here, didn't they? Yeah, I think that's the first time he scored in three consecutive games as well for nearly four years. So it's a really, you know, Inyaki Williams, obviously he's very consistent in terms of he's always in the team. He's not always been a consistent goal scorer, but when he turns it on, he really is a force to be reckoned with. And that second goal was just really indicative of what he can do and how powerful he is and, and what a finish it was at the near post as well. But yeah, I mean, strong first half, I thought, for Athletic. Club. I thought they were on the back foot in the second half, but just managed to break away and kind of get that second goal to seal the win. 
atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. But yeah, in the end, thoroughly deserved, I thought, for Athletic Club. And that really makes things interesting, actually, in the European race, because Real Sociedad are under pressure now from, from like I said, Real Betis, Athletic Club, with that big win, they're just holding off Rayo and, and Osasuna. But yeah, there's, there's two big races going on, not only for Champions League, but also for Conference League as well. Indeed, yeah, Athletic have put themselves back into a position after a poor run. They've looked like they're turning the corner and beginning to grind out some positive results. As we say, Ross, I again, really should have scored in that second half. I'm not sure how they didn't, but um, again, they're, they're clinging on to fourth. But the way they're playing, the form they're in, it's really difficult to see them staying there. But <laughs> we talk about Villarreal, the team that was on a real good, good run of form, having won at the Bernabeu last week. I don't need to tell you this as a fan, but this is the most Villarreal result ever. They go and lose 2-1 at home to Real Valladolid. Tom, yeah, peak Villarreal. Yeah, I mean, I wrote the kind of match day preview on a Friday night for the Substack, so we were previewing the Saturday games, and I did want to say this would be a very Villarreal game to lose, but I didn't want to, you know, tempt fate or be a bit kind of disrespectful to, to Villarreal Football Club. But yeah, they've done it again. Um, unbelievable. I mean, they've won four games in a row, looking probably the most form side in Spain, really, behind Atletico Madrid, or kind of up there with Atletico Madrid at least. And yeah, I, I'm not actually sure how he didn't win the game as well because Chukwueze missed. I mean, it, it really wasn't his day, was it? Um, absolutely rounded the Valladolid goalkeeper and missed for more or less open net. Then he hit the post. Um, he had a goal disallowed for a marginal offside. I think it was just one of those days, but VRAR have one of those days far too often um, to be, you know, competing for Champions League spots. And again, we look at it at the end of the season, you know, they drop points to Getafe, they obviously lost to Elche, they've lost now to Real Valladolid. Those are going to be the difference. Indeed, yeah, very disappointing for the Yellow Submarine. They'll have to bounce back quickly. As for El Valladolid, that's now four points and five goals under Paolo Pezzolano at Pucela. Really uh, quite impressive start, very early days, of course, but... We were all surprised when Pacheta was sacked, but this does appear to have given them a bit of a spark. And they're unbeaten when they score the first goal. So I know they don't score many, but when they score first, they, they don't lose. So that's a good trait to have. That's a great statistic, yeah. I mean, I was looking as well because we were impressed by their uh, January transfer business. And I believe uh, their new signings have now scored six of their last 10 goals um, since they've been at the club. So Kyle Larian, obviously, and Selimam Mala. Yeah, really, really good. And uh, I mean, that El Yamik goal kind of summed up the game for me. The fact that the centre-back picked up the ball in his own half and absolutely ran through the entire uh, team, got to the edge of the box, deflected goal. Everything kind of went right for Valladolid, with, with all due respect. Everything went wrong for Villarreal. But yeah, when you're Valladolid and you're down there and you need the wins, that is an absolutely massive one to get because no one really expected them to do it. Indeed, it was Moroccan magic at the double for them, two of the World Cup semi-finalists on the score sheet at La Ceramica. Well, then over to Betis, and last week they had a golden chance to to keep pace, and they were the ones that kind of collapsed, losing at home to Cardiff, red cards and losing their heads, and we thought, okay, they've seen Real Sociedad lose, they've seen Villarreal lose, now they have a great chance at home to Espanyol. Can they take advantage this time? Well, yes, they did. 3-1 win, fantastic performance from them. Uh, we'll get on to Espanyol in a second, but first of all, Betis, probably the ones that might sneak forth in the end of it all, right? Yeah, you would have said that to me last week when they just <laughs> imploded against Cardiff. I would have said no chance, but yeah, this was really important. I think they were kind of fortunate that the fixtures fell, that they could have a second home game just after that last one, just to kind of get it out of their system and get back on track. And that's exactly what they did. 
all credit to them. And yeah, I, I absolutely love watching Betis when William Carvalho plays in a more attacking role. Um, he was kind of playing as a central attack midfielder in this game with Guido Rodriguez and um, and Andres Guardado behind him. And he is a force to be reckoned with when he gets going. And he was just, yeah, brilliant. He scored a fantastic goal. Really, really nice finish on the edge of a box just to kind of blast it into the bottom corner. Yeah, really good from Real Betis. And yeah, they dominated the game. Espanyol didn't offer much, unfortunately. They had a few chances towards the end. But yeah, it's it's, it's looking bleak for them. But Real Betis, yeah, I think they've they've done really well to bounce back from you know losing their heads really last weekend. Mm. Well, we've spoken about Mendeleeva having a positive impact at Sevilla. We've spoken about Petzolano looking like he's given a spark to via the lead. As for Luis Garcia at Espanyol, doesn't look like he's managed to change the chip, as they say. He's... Uh, They've now lost six on the bounce, two of them, of course, under him. And that's the worst losing run in La Liga this season. Not even Elche lost six in a row. So that tells you how bleak their position is. And again, another team, a bit like Valencia, it's very hard to see how they're going to turn it around and they'll need to do it quickly. Otherwise, they will get cut adrift, adrift too, won't they? Yeah, I mean, the key is Hosselu. Um He is Espanyol's beating heart, just like he was with Alaves last season. I think he scored 45, 50% of their goals last term. He's on a similar rate for Espanyol as well. Martin Braithwaite as well can can be a good goal scorer when he gets into the positions. But yeah, if you look at this game, they, they did score, but it was an unbelievable, probably one of the best goals of, of the month, of, of the last couple of months in La Liga. Cesar Montes, the centre-back, chesting the ball down and scoring an acrobatic overhead kick from near enough the edge of the box. That's not going to happen every week. And <laughs> if, it, if it didn't happen here, they would have probably lost 3-4-5-0. So, yeah, that, I think that kind of helped to spark a little mini-revival. But without that moment of magic, Espanyol would have been trounced again. Yeah, it's not looking great, but Hosselu, he missed a good chance. He missed a good header from a corner. Would have got Espanyol back into the game. He needs to get back on you know, his goal-scoring form, and I think Espanyol will be relying on him until the end of the season and they've got Cadiz next week at the RCD stadium that is absolutely massive because again two teams down there and if Espanyol don't win that they could as you just said yeah be cut adrift mm. well on that note we'll uh, pause there for the break we'll be back in part two with five more games including all of the big three stay tuned I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get Get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Centelles, se viene por dentro y entrega para Coque, Coque para Correa, Correa Griezmann, Griezmann Correa, Correa Carrasco, que viene a circular de la pelota del Atlético de Madrid, Carrasco la pone, Griezmann, ¡qué golazo! Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown, I'm here with Tom Harris reviewing match day 29 in La Liga with some fantastic matches and some significant results, including at the Coliseum Alfonso Pérez, where Barca were held to a goalless draw for the second game in a row. That's now three games without a goal, including the Copa del Rey thrashing at the hands of Real Madrid. That's their worst run within a single season since 2008. And they haven't drawn consecutive La Liga games 0-0 within the same season since 1993 under Johan Cruyff. Xavi was blaming the pitch, but there's deeper issues here, isn't there, Tom? Yeah, blame the pitch, but also congratulate Getafe because that is exactly what Getafe set out to do and it's what they used to be so good at, not so much this season, but they really, really frustrated Barcelona, who were, yeah, they weren't at their fluent best. I think missing Pedri and De Jong in that midfield is always going to have an impact, but it looked really, really, you know, obvious today that they were lacking a bit of creative spark in that midfield. But yeah, it was a bit of a tough watch, I thought, at times, um, but Getafe defended well with that back five. We know they've got some warriors in that defence, the likes of Damian Suarez and players who really aren't afraid to get stuck in and rile up defend um, attacking players but yeah a little bit concerning for Barcelona like you say there's um this is their worst run of scoreless games within the same season um since 2008 I think you tweeted that out Matt um yeah they're 11 points clear surely they're not going to let that slip but it, <laughs> it is a bit alarming isn't it well I was going to ask my, my question I was assuming wrongly as it turns out because that's now three consecutive seasons where they haven't even scored at the Coliseum but I was assuming maybe they'll scrape another 1-0 as they have done and I was going to ask is this going to be an anticlimactic end to the season because they're, they're that far clear they're going to kind of get over the line but with Madrid still in the Champions League and potentially winning the Copa del Rey it might be overshadowed but now the question you have to ask is a little bit of maybe high Liga because if Barca are struggling to score goals next week they have Atletico Madrid if they don't if they lose that and Madrid win their game it's only eight points. And you can see where I'm going with this. Do you think there's any chance that there might still be a bit of league? I'm, I'm going to say yes, just because I kind of want to see it happen. But I'm towards the end of the season. But no, you're right, because Atletico Madrid will get onto them in a minute. They are playing unbelievably well. Antoine Griezmann is playing unbelievably well. And what a story that would be if he went back and kind of derailed Barcelona's uh, title parade. And then they've got uh, Rayo away from home the weekend after. And Barcelona, they've lost twice and drawn to Rayo since they were promoted two seasons ago. But Rayo are still unbelievably unbeaten against Catalan side since it came up as well. Yeah, it, it, it could it could be getting a bit interesting. Um, yeah, you know, we've said, we've asked that question many times throughout the season, I-Liga, and I've been, you know, saying now Barcelona, they've been stretching away and they've been looking imperious. But this is the first kind of sign of attacking weakness we've seen from Xavi's side in a long time and they've got a bit of a conundrum to solve I think 
Mm. The saving grace is, of course, the fact that they are still keeping clean sheets, and that is incredible. They still only conceded nine in 29, which I think Mr Chip was saying equals the, the best ever record of the big seven leagues kind of ever at this stage of the season, equaling, I think, Petr Cech's record at Chelsea in 04-05. So, yeah, still fantastic defensive numbers, but... Yeah, they're, they're just not scoring. Um, as for Real Madrid, they won 2-0 away at Cadiz. Nacho decided to uh, go against his brother and go and score. And then Marco Asensio proving the difference uh, yet again, uh, trying to force his way to earn a new contract. Benzema played the full 90. Uh, Vinicius was injured, so was was unavailable. Rodrigo played on the left. So a couple of interesting things here in between the Chelsea games. Chelsea, by the way, of course, lost again in the Premier League at home to Brighton. So Chelsea, by... Uh, no great shakes um, themselves. Do you think, um, how did you see this game from a Real Madrid perspective ahead of the Chelsea game? Uh, very encouraging, actually. I mean, they dominated. Uh, Cadiz isn't an easy place to go, as we've seen many times this season. I think they had 35 shots in the end, Real Madrid. Um, nine saves from David Gil, who, by the way, did very well coming in to replace Conan Ledesma, so hats off to him. Although, obviously, he did concede two, but it was by sheer force of will in the end. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed Asensio off the right, coming inside and cutting in. I think he was been, you know, really, really nice. That how he, how he kind of dropped in to link up with the, the midfield and allowed Valverde to bomb forward on occasion. And other times he would be the most advanced kind of playmaker cutting in onto his left foot. I think he had seven key passes in the end from Asensio. So about seven shots he, t- he teed up for his teammates, six shots himself. And yeah, I think he's he's now one of eight players in Europe's top five leagues to be averaging over a goal plus an assist every game that he plays this season. So he's doing really well with the limited minutes that he has. And yeah, I think he's probably earned himself a, a start um, in midweek against Chelsea. But yeah, I, I think it was good. They were relentless. Benzema hit the woodwork twice. Um, really good performance and good to see Real Madrid kind of winning a game in the 70th minute. You know, it's, it's something that they've been doing for a long time. And yeah, it was a really classic example of them just huffing and puffing and then eventually breaking the door down and doing it with some style towards the end of the game. Mm. Of course, we're thinking about the league and potentially going for it. It will probably depend on whether they get past Chelsea and then potentially having a a two-legged semi-final against City, as it looks like, uh, which could quite well condition a few of their selections in the the league matches. They still probably have the harder fixture list than Barca. They have Real Sociedad away. They've got to go to Mestalla, which could be make or break for Valencia by then. They've got to go to Sevilla and on the final day they host Athletic Club. So by no means an easy run-in, but you just never know. This is Real Madrid, so you're loath to write them off, even 11 points back. But uh, like we say, probably still definitely edging for Barca, probably still well odds on. But um, yeah, this weekend will have definitely raised a few doubts. On the other half of Madrid, though, Atletico, they are leaving no doubts at all. Another win, 2-1 over Almeria. Antoine Griezmann with a brace. He is player of the season, I think, without a doubt. 13 unbeaten now for Diego Simeone's side. It seems a long time ago people were questioning Diego Simeone, doesn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we've seen quite a few graphs on Twitter recently of kind of the, the upticks after the World Cup and how, you know, they're not only defending better, they're attacking better as well. And it's just improvements all around. And yeah, I've said it a few times on this podcast, but they look together. They look to have a common goal. They want to just keep on winning and see what happens. And Obviously, we're talking about very kind of fanciful title hopes, but at the very least, they'll catch Real Madrid and, and, and finish in second, which will be a nice achievement for them and a nice way to cap off a season which went really wrong, you know, in, in kind of October, November in the Champions League and in Europe. Yeah, really good from them. And uh, 
it's a bit of an interesting game actually because they absolutely dominated Almeria, who, by the way, again say it every week, but they're still away winless from away from home. <laughs> they have four points on the road and twenty six at home. It's just incredible how different their home and away record is. But yeah, they they scored with their only shot, a deflected went down an own goal in the end, and they could have had a penalty in the eighty seventh minute and and equalized. <laughs> Would have been one of the most unbelievable you know, two, two draws you've ever seen. But yeah, Atletico Madrid deserve the win thoroughly and they, they keep marching on. Indeed they do. I remember someone asked, or a few people have asked on Twitter, has anyone survived without being able to win away from home all season? Well, remember a few years back, Sevilla won the Europa League, having not won a single away game in La Liga um, and finished in the European places again. So it can happen. It does happen. And I really look like they're on course to do it, the way things are going. Um so yeah, home form for them, absolutely crucial, as we keep saying. But uh, this one, probably not down as anything we'd have expected them to get a point from. So they go on to the next game, hoping to um, get some more points on the board. Two more games left to cover. Uh, Girona beat Elche 2-0. We've touched on Elche briefly earlier. Uh, and again, Girona, really nice to see them doing so well. They're just about touching 40 points now. Look to be very safe. Very impressive season. Another goal uh, for Tati Castellanos. And Oriol Romeo, uh, former Premier League player, nice to see him uh, having a nice swan song to his career in Girona. Yeah, any uh, anything to say on this game, Tom? Yeah, I mean, just looking at the table again, you know, if Real Madrid do win the Copa del Rey, seventh place becomes a UEFA Conference League spot. Um, Girona, with that win, and Osasuna's defeat to Rayo, um, have now overtaken Osasuna. Uh, they're only five points off seventh, so it's absolutely not over for for Girona that they could you know be fighting for Europe, and it'll be a really really nice story. I, I love their midfield. Um, they've been injured for most of it, so we've not really been able to see Alex Garcia and um, Yangel Herrera and Ore, um, Romeo all together, but they're brilliant players, you know, individually, and it's great to see Romeo Capane get a bit of recognition because he's been doing it all season. He's so press resistant, really, really good at just recycling the ball and building up and just picking the right pass. And it was another really, really good performance capped off by a really, really nice finish. Indeed. Quick note on Elche. They um, they look like they won't be the worst ever team statistically in uh, La Liga history because that goes to Sporting 97-98. who only picked up 13 points in the whole season. Elche are already on 13. I say only 13, but they still have nine more games to try and get at least a point to uh, leave that record alone but it is worth saying that's 20 defeats now for them only that sporting side in 97-98 had more defeats at this stage of a season so really a pitiful campaign for them and Becca Cheche hasn't been able to to change anything that's three defeats under him uh, again probably a long-term appointment looking to build in Segunda uh, final game then Tom Rayo 2 Osasuna 1 as you mentioned in that uh, little piece before there Rio finally winning again at home. I think it was February they, they hadn't won uh, at Vallecas uh, since then. Issy with another fantastic goal, Issy Palazón. And the longest winless run in the league now passes to Mallorca and they play at Balaidos on Monday night. But uh, yeah, a few words on Rio before we finish. Yeah, I mean, Issy Palazón's goal of the season competition continues. Um, what, what a goal that is. Um, I mean, moments after he kind of scuffed it completely and, and ended up inadvertently setting up Oscar Trejo because <laughs> a kind of bicycle overhead whatever you want to call it kick from the edge of the area just yeah you can't do anything wrong at the moment Izzy Balathon he's, he's recovered from that unbelievable penalty a couple of weeks ago 
but yeah, uh, again, just as we were saying with seventh place, Rio are really in contention for that spot as well. And you know, the the famous song "El Año Que Viene" Rio Liverpool. Well, Liverpool are only a couple of points off a Conference League spot in the Premier League, so missing <laughs> it after all. I'll be surprised if Liverpool finishes high as seventh, to be honest. But there we go. Um, yeah, and a quick word on Moy Gomez as well, because what a cameo from him. He has a stunning goal himself for Osasuna. Yeah, I really like Moy Gomez. He's one of those players that kind of always shows up in the underlying numbers in terms of expected assists and how well he is at teeing up his his, his teammates. Yeah, he came on and I think Kike Barja was just kind of running into uh, Fran Garcia all game and Garcia was just eating him up, just tackling, tackling, tackling. And Moy Gomez came on, dropped a bit deeper, kind of caused a few more problems to that Rayo back line. And yeah, that goal that he scored, that was on his weaker foot as well. Uh, that left-footed drive right into the top corner. Really, really nice to see. Like you say, these two teams are going to be scrapping it for the Conference League. I think Rayo probably, you know, my pick, they're the ones I want to see most in the Conference League, but Athletic Club probably have the, the firmest grip, I'd say, after their 2-0 win over Real Sociedad. Mm, indeed. It's going to get more and more interesting as we go through the weeks, but uh, for now, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time as ever, Tom. Great to speak to you. Thank you very much, Matt. And yeah, looking forward to speaking to you again soon. Indeed. It's going to be a fantastic week. Uh, once again, in Spanish football, we have plenty to look forward to with Real Madrid's trip to Chelsea, defending that 2-0 lead, and then Sevilla going up against Manchester United at the Ramon Sanchez Pituan on Thursday night for a place in the Europa League semi-final. So it's all coming up, and we'll be back with a midweek podcast to review those games and look ahead to another important weekend in La Liga. So keep it La Liga low down, and we'll leave it there. Adios. <laughs>